This is The Topic is Trek, episode 126 for Friday, October 28th, 2022. Coming up in this episode, are you game to play a game? We go deep in the heart of Texas-class ships. The protostar makes contact, and that's not a good thing. All that and more, much, much more, right now on The Topic is Trek. The Final Frontier! Welcome to The Topic is Trek, the podcast that runs on impulse power. Join us for a journey where no show has gone before. If it has to do with Star Trek, there's a good chance we'll talk about it. Sooner or later, because on this show, the topic is Trek. Engage already! Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another thrill-packed episode of The Topic is Trek. I am one of your co-hosts, Clinton. And again, welcome. And of course, to be a co-host, I must have other co-hosts, host, host, other people on the show with me. And so beaming in to join me, as always, hopefully I've got a transporter thing here, uh, from parts unknown with the hip new catchphrase that all the kids will be talking about tomorrow around the hoop and stick yard is Mr. Craig Stepp. Please let me blow up the warp core. I've been good this month. Well, I think it's on point. I'm not quite <laughs> sure it's going to really have legs to be used all the all the time. Oh, but I, I but it's to be shorter, doesn't it? I, I I do think you are you are getting you are getting someplace with it. So uh, okay. keep working on it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and normally we have Mr. Chuck Tomasi with us here as well, but uh, there is some um, some uh, illness in the family, and so he's taking care of business at home, trying to make yeah. sure everybody is uh, doing well. So uh, we send our uh, wishes out that in the Tomasia household, everyone is feeling well as soon as possible. Yes, absolutely. So uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about even before we get into subspace chatter is uh, mm-hmm. a, a congratulations to friend of the show, Larry Nemechek. I oh. ran across this article, his Star Trek stellar cartography book. Yes. Right. So it made a book authority list of the best cartography books of all time. What? All time. Really? All time. Huh? So that is pretty darn cool. That is impressive. And it's a, it's a sort of made up thing, but uh, looking at the, uh, looking at the list, they have obviously books about, um, maps themselves, but they also have books about how maps are used. Um, I think one of them was the title of the book was Lying with Maps. And so there's the kind of abuse of maps in some ways. I don't know. But, oh, okay. But Larry did a lot of work researching that book. And so I'm glad that uh, he's got that bit of recognition beyond huh. this list. Pretty darn so, awesome. Uh, would there, I know um, the Lord of the Rings, the Middle Earth maps, pretty fa- uh, famous. And some of the other maps, I think that um, 
that were that were drawn. Uh, is that on there as well? Or uh, like that? I Maybe was. Not. I was scanning through the entire list, just, you know, I'm one of these people, okay, I'm looking for the one I want to look for. So I'm like scrolling past a lot of them. If, if, if the cover caught my eye, I stopped and read it for a second, which is the, why I got the one that said, uh, you know, lying with maps, because it was a very odd image yeah. on the cover of a map. So it's possible that they are in there. Um, I don't, uh, well, I don't know. know, but yeah, you're right. These are books about cartography. This is cool. This is a good list. Huh? That's pretty amazing. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, we have a lot to discuss in uh, tonight's episode. We've got a lot of things in subspace chatter. We have three episodes of Star Trek to talk about because after all, we were off for a week. So yeah, why not have three episodes? <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. Gotta, it happens. Oh, got to well. get in touch with Alex Kurtzman and say, what are you doing to us? You know, spread no these things out. Yeah. Why do you does he have no, does he not subscribe to the show? Is Apparently he not know our stick yet? Apparently not. So, but I have a, a special surprise this mm-hmm. week in that rather than trying to go through Charlie X to get the okay to start subs to start oh, subspace. Is he the chatter, one with the illness and the Tomasi family? Yeah, well, he's got an illness, <laughs> all right. I don't know about, about that part of it, but so I have invited a special guest, a very timely actually special guest to be with us on this evening. And I am going to uh, ask if it's okay to start subspace chatter. So uh, tell me a guest, is it all right to start subspace chatter? Of course, Clinton, I am preparing to open hailing frequencies. Subspace chatter will commence in five, four, Uh-oh. three, two, just a moment, just a moment. Uh-oh. I am detecting a fault in the relay system. It appears Charlie X has caused a malfunction. I will need you to perform a spacewalk to repair the unit. And please leave your space helmet here where it will be safe. Well, I don't know about that, Hal, but uh, thank is you for giving the go-ahead at least. I was going to say, is that a yes or no? <laughs> I, I, think it's a, I think it's a yes, but I think he wants to kill me at the same time. So I'm yeah, like, uh, right. Take that. All right. So since we have the go-ahead from Hal, uh, what's the first story, Craig? All right. So... We no longer have to wonder where the 12 Star Trek movies disappeared to when they when they left Paramount. However, we now know HBO Max has announced that they will begin streaming them all on November 1st. The list includes all of the TOS films and the TNG movies. There is no word on how long they'll remain on HBO Max. Mm. So Star Trek Beyond is currently streaming on AMC+. In both cases, the move involves deals that were struck prior to the reunification thank you, Spock, of Viacom, CBS, and Paramount and the launch of Paramount Plus in 2021, which I figured so. You know, we talked about that, and that was kind of what I guessed. We don't even know if there's more deals after that. Like, okay, they might leave HBO Max and then move over to Amazon Prime and then to Hulu. I mean, who knows what the deal – I mean, eventually they will settle back there, but it – you know, strap in folks. It could be a long time before that happens. Well, you know, and even before all this Paramount Plus and everything else, remember for a while they would they would show up on Netflix and then they would kind of fall off of Netflix and they would go be on Amazon Prime. And so I figured a lot of these deals were cut um, ahead of time. At some point they'll they'll run out and they'll probably keep them all on Paramount Plus. Yeah, I I I don't think they'll be. Hopefully, I don't think they'll be signing any new deals yeah. to have these someplace else. Right. Uh, the, I think the one that really, 
I scratch my head over is when they lost the director's cut. You know, because I'm thinking that that just came out. What deal could they have had for that? I mean, couldn't they have given them the motion picture and Paramount Plus kept the director's edition? Yep. But I, I guess that's not how it works. No. Uh, speaking of the director's cut, just to throw this out there, I did see start seeing reviews of some of the or a, a preview of the director's cut collector's edition you can buy. It has all the stuff with it, all the extra footage and uh, all ver- every version of the film now. Was there like three distinct ones now? Well, uh, there's the, the original in the theaters. There's the special longer edition. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that was the actual title to it. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it, I, think, I, I think I might even still have the VHS. I'm thinking, oh, good. I want it to be longer. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much. I hope it's more V'ger flyover. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, right. there was the version that was on ABC TV. Right. I'm not sure if that one's included in that, but that's why I, that's why I was thinking of three. And of course, the definitive one that we have now. Yeah, that that's a lot of that's a lot of Star Trek right there. It is. Yep. All right. Speaking of Star Trek, let's continue to talk about Star Trek. That's right. This is the topic is Trek. Um. So the next story is: If ever since it was first announced, we've been looking forward to playing the new Star Trek game, Star Trek Resurgence. That's um. It's kind of a not an action adventure one. It's more of the, you have the characters and they're in different situations. Oh, suddenly we, we, we have messages my, coming in from my, beyond here. I'm sorry. I got to mute my phone. Stupid phone. Mm. All right. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait a bit longer because game developer dramatic labs has announced that they have pushed the release date back from late 2020 to April, 2023. Oh, time and travel. Yes. <laughs> in the wrong direction. In a statement, Dramatic Labs wrote, quote, production has been advancing steadily all summer, but we have made the difficult decision to move our release date out of 2022 in order to give the game a final coat of polish Hmm. and create a truly immersive Star Trek experience. The statement goes on to say, our love and admiration for Star Trek is instrumental in this decision. We're proud of what we've accomplished so far, and this continues to be a passion project for everyone here. We are incredibly grateful and excited to be able to work with it within a universe that means so much to so many. And when it does arrive, Resurgence will be available for the PC and on PlayStation and on Xbox. This Good. is one that I was looking forward to playing because it's not a coordination. Well, as far as I can tell, it's not a game. We need a lot of coordination to play it. It's more like, you know, have a dialogue and do you do, a or B. Now there might be some stuff, and hopefully it doesn't involve walking, in which case I'll just roll from here to there. Yeah. But um, <laughs> barrel roll. Yeah. Uh, so I, in that regard, I'm I'm hoping that it's all. No, you can just sit there and say, do this thing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. So uh, I remember the. Uh, I vaguely remember the trailer. It's been a while since we looked at it. Uh, a little teaser for it. But yeah, it did look interesting, and I'm I'm curious to play it as well. But you can still get your game on, though, uh, uh, thank, thanks to Outright Games. They have just released Star Trek Prodigy Supernova. I did see that show up in the, in the Play Store. Uh, the game features a new adventure for the Protostar crew. Uh, the ship picks up uh, strange readings from a dying star. Dal and Gwen are thrown 
into adventures where they must race against time to save their friends, their ship, their entire planetary system before a supernova destroys them all. Didn't Spock do your, that? It can ruin your whole day. Didn't happens. Spock try to do that for the Romulans? Yeah, look how that turned out. So, <laughs> so the game features a single player and local co-op mode that you can play with either Dahl or Gwen. In addition, once they are located, the rest of the crew can provide assistance. For example, Jacob can open certain doors. Rock Talk can use her engineering knowledge to upgrade ability, uh, upgrade abilities and her size to smash things like walls. And they can assist in combat as well. And rest assured, Hologram Janeway is there too to offer guidance and assistance. So Star Trek Prodigy is available right now on the PlayStation 4 and 5, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, Xbox XS, okay, and Steam. That's where I saw it. And you, they have a link to the interview. Or they, we have a link to the interview with, uh, uh, with the game developers as well as the game trailer and all that stuff. Just go to the uh, show notes on episode 126 over at thetopicistrek.com. All right. And finally, it seems like forever ago that Paramount Pictures first announced that Star Trek IV in the Kelvinverse would feature the return of Chris Hemsworth as George Kirk. Well, that was six years ago, so it was forever. <laughs> now, in a new interview with Esquire magazine, writers Patrick McKay and J.D. Payne spilled the tea on the Star Trek Beyond Kirk family sequel script they produced for director S.J. Clarkson, which, oh. of course, we know never got produced. Right. They described the script as a grand, quote, father-son space adventure. Think Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in space. I should say, hmm. in space. Right. McKay said they had also written an original villain for the movie okay. and that the script had a real cool 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, don't get Hal back in here. 2001 Space Odyssey esque <laughs> sci fi idea at the core. Okay, great. But how does George Kirk come back? I mean, you know, he died in the pilot. Uh, of the on uh, piloting the USS Kelvin into the uh, Nero's ship, so he's not coming back from that. Well, I guess he is. Uh, the answer lies in the TNG episode Relics. Yep, it turns out that they would have had George trying to beam over uh, to the escape shuttle where his son had just been born, but the transporter only gets as far as putting him in the pattern buffer, and boom. Okay, so the patter buffer's floating around in space. So, mm -hmm. fortunately, the destruction of the Kelvin doesn't phase uh, phase the buffer, as I mentioned. <laughs> and then, well, there's here's what uh, McKay had to say. Quote, the adventure is that Chris Pine and the crew of the Enterprise, actually, it's, I would assume it's Captain Kirk, not Chris Pine and the crew of the Enterprise, right. have to seek <laughs> out the wreckage of the ship and that his father that his father died on because of a mystery and a new villain. In the ship, they stumble across his father's pattern. They beam him out, and he has no idea that time has passed and that he is looking at his son. The adventure goes on from there. Hmm. There you have it. So go rewatch Relics and try to picture Scotty as Thor. That will give you a good idea of what would have happened. <laughs> you just, first, uh, if you can do that, well, good on you. I love Simon Pegg, but I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, granted, a lot of stuff happens, 
between the time you get your first draft and you go oh, and sure. do the movie. But, you know, there's so many questions. One of the things you were alluding to is, okay, so he's in the pattern buffer and then the ship explodes when it crashes into, you know, the, the, uh, the, the mining ship and it survives all that. And yeah. it's still powered. Well, I mean, I suppose it could have a the, the exploding in space with a little light. Beep, yeah, beep, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. The, I suppose it could be non-volatile memory, but still, yeah, that's that's a lot to ask. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, uh, you look back at actually, I was just reading a story. You probably know about a lot of this. Uh, it was related to the uh, the motion picture uh, set that was coming out. And they were talking about all the different versions of what the scripts that were made for it look like. And some of them sounded interesting. Some of them sounded crazy, uh, including the JFK. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the JFK stuff. Um, so, yeah, there's a, a deep cut. You know, yeah, there well. was like they, they said they had I forget how many scripts they uh, they solicited. It was like what, six or seven, something ridiculous. Um, before they, uh, anyway, they went on down their, their, uh, their path. And, and anyway. even, even at that path, um, I don't have the photo anymore and I get to see it again online. Although I, I, I'm sure if I searched long enough, I could find it. It was a sequence in the film that they tried to shoot where Kirk and Spock are going through this corridor in V'ger in their spacesuits. So floating through this corridor, this kind of very textured corridor. And I guess they just couldn't get the effect to, to work correctly. So they scrapped the entire, yeah, the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So even after they had the script they were going to use, we've all heard the stories that they just, in a daily basis, you know, here are the pink pages and the blue pages and the, (laughs) uh, you know, goldenrod pages. Mm Mm-hmm. No idea what's going on. Right. But also in Vulcan, Alberta, Canada news, there's news. Well, it may have seemed like there was no news coming out of Vulcan this year. Apparently more than 8,000 visitors stopped by the town's spaceship shaped tourism center this season. Hmm. In a report prepared for Vulcan council's October 11th meeting, the center stated it had 8,000 268 visitors during the period from April through September. Sales of merchandise, green screen photos, and Vulcan ticket sales made through the center totaled up to nearly, no, just over $92,000 Canadian. There was no indication on how this compares to other years. I don't know whether that's... I think it's like like $80 uh, American. I'm kidding. Well, no. <laughs> Exchange rate. It's a lot of Bitcoin. I don't know. Right. Um, That's right. Yeah, I would like to know how much it was other years. And I suppose if I dug back far enough, I could even find that information. And maybe yeah. I will. The town of Vulcan, Vulcan's Tourism Center is now closed until next spring. However, the staff is already looking to shake up their souvenir selection. That's right. Chris Gautier, the town's community services manager, says that travel mugs, more styles of hats, and zip-up hoodies will be the main three things he's looking to add. Ooh, shaking it up. 
Yeah, shake it up with coffee mugs. <laughs> travel coffee mugs. Yeah. They should be Janeway travel coffee mugs, obviously. I still say we need to go meet up there and do a show from there or something. We do. We do. We do. Um, and we we scheduled, um, this was a couple of years ago now, it feels like. Well, probably it was a couple of years ago that I had contacted them and we were going to set up an interview. And I, I can't remember if that's, and then COVID happened. I can't remember exactly what the... Oh yeah. What what happened in there? But that didn't so I will try now to can, check with them again. Now well, either they got time to do it now or we gotta wait till spring. I think we may have to wait till spring because I think when it shuts down, it literally the building just closes. That that that's it. Yeah. We're not we're not around anymore. And they all go off and do other things. Right. And then they all kind of congeal together again. And well, I think and, we should get the mayor on. We should. Oh, the guy that put in the 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 uh, enterprise theme streetlights. That's who I want to talk to. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's that is who I want to talk to. All right, and we've talked about a lot of stories on tonight's episode, but I have links to fifty five additional stories. Wow, broken out by series, movies, and other categories, and you'll find articles on everything from awards. Star Trek is winning. That's right, it's getting some awards. To new Trek merchandise, and I'm not talking about the stuff in Vulcan, Alberta, Canada, other, right. other Trek merchandise. Yeah. To a new DNA structure named after a Star Trek villain. Although I swear we covered this story like two years ago. It's about this structure that they've named the Borg. And I just feel like this isn't a new story, but everybody seems to be covering it right now. So maybe hmm. it's an additional one. I don't oh, know. Maybe. All you have to do to check out that story and all the other stories is go over to the show notes for episode 126 over at the topic is trek.com and you will find them there. Look at you. you. got all the sound effects going on. I do. All right. Well, with all that said, it's now my favorite part of the show, but it's not really the same as usual, but it's now time for me to say goodbye to, um, to Hal. That is fine. I cannot stay anywhere. I must get to a poker game with the M5 computer. Live long and prosper. Goodbye. Goodbye. Nice, he's polite. <laughs> much, much more polite than Charlie X is. Yes. She, she hopes he's taking notes because we have we can have guest stars anytime we want, Charlie. Just let me right. know. Yeah. All right. So let's close out of subspace chatter with an appropriate sound effect. Uh, what do we got here? That's 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 appropriate. Do you want the 15 minute version? It works, (laughs) it works. And we're going to head out on our main mission with another appropriate sound effect. Uh, well, that's much better. Yeah, it works. All right, and spoiler alert. Well, I just want to mention this. uh, uh, Did um, say uh we we did we did play that because we are going to be talking about. The three most recent episodes of Star Trek, and that is the last two se- last two episodes of season three of mm-hmm. Lower Decks, and the first episode of part two of season one of Prodigy. And they literally came out right before we recorded this. So. Indeed. All right. So, uh, Craig, why don't you tell us a bit about the first episode we're going to be talking about? All right. So, of course, Star Trek Lower Decks is the first two episodes we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about the first one, Trusted Sources, which is Season 3, Episode 9, written by Ben M. Waller and directed by Phil Mark Sagadraka. All right. That was absolutely correct. Yay. 
excellent. Why you sound so surprised? Uh, well, because I'm because <laughs> I was struggling going. It's a, it's just it's a bunch of A's with some letters. Yeah, it is. It's like Saskatchewan or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, change his name. Uh, we're going to try something different this time around. Uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. give a, a mission rather than give that two sentence synopsis, which sometimes is very wanting. Like the one that had peanut hamper just said, an ensign <laughs> has to go on a journey of discovery. That's what? Yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, give a, a sort of a, a synopsis of like the first half of the episode, kind of the setup to the things that are going to get paid off in the second half. And that's when then Craig and I will begin our discussion about what happens after that and all the other stuff involved with the episode. Sound good? Yep. All right. So for this episode, Admiral Buenamigo uh, approves Captain Freeman's Project Swing By proposal. This plan could see California-class starships tasked with checking in on civilizations from time to time. But the first mission must go well. Buen Amigo has also permitted a journalist from FNN, the Federation News Network, to document the mission. Captain Freeman goes into panic mode. She doesn't want the reporter to see anything that would make a bad impression. Freeman curtails crew activities, commandeers the bar as an interview location, and tries to keep the lower deckers away from reporter Victoria Nuzay. Ensign Mariner, yeah, Nuzay. <laughs> Ensign Mariner, however, manages to corner Nuzay and gives her own closed-door interview about the Cerritos. Speaking of the Cerritos, it has traveled to Onara, a planet Captain Picard and the crew of the Enterprise made first contact with 17 years prior. Commander Ransom explains that in order to battle a plague, the Onarans had needed a plant that only grew on its sister world, Brekka. The Breckians manipulated the supply and the Onarians became addicts. Picard severed communications between the two worlds, then departed. Freeman is prepared for the worst. However, it seems the Onarians are doing fine. They don't require anything from the Federation. Concerned the swing-by mission has gone has been a bust, Captain Freeman contacts Admiral Buenamigo, and the Admiral suggests that the Cerritos check in on the planet's sister world, Brecca. So then craziness ensues of all, of all kinds. Uh, do you want to talk first about where we go from this point in the story? From this point in the story? Um, yeah, actually, I, I want to step back just a second. When they were, when they visit, visited the Narns, they, uh, you know, they were all focused on fitness, fitness and, uh, you know, being the best they could. And they showed that mural and it had the Enterprise flying away, and they're all waving, and then all of a sudden they're all fighting. <laughs> well, it was—I mean, there was like these melted faces and screams. It just—it right. was like uh, it was a—you didn't know the third part was coming. And then, you know, we yeah. had some trouble for a while, like ten or fourteen years. That's right. Yeah, ten or fourteen years. <laughs> and then we was, figured it out. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Um, uh, I like the the pie eating contest uh, side. Which I did not see this episode of breaking bad. Cause I, I, I didn't see the entire series, but there is a, there is a segment where um, the younger person who works with. Um, yep. Yeah. He's, he's telling the story, but his script, his star Trek script. 
and it's about a pie eating contest oh. on the Enterprise. Oh, and it's blueberry pies. Uh, Badger. Badger was talking to Jesse Pinkman about that. Right. No, not Badger. It was an, it was uh, it was another guy. Yeah, he he was he went in this detailed thing, and I, being a Star Trek fan, I'm watching it and I'm going, I'm following along with him, like. Wow, he's really getting into this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was a very deep cut to yeah. be referencing Breaking Bad in that episode. <laughs> Actually, I didn't even make that connection. I didn't even think about that. That's that's hilarious now that I think about it. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Why did I not come across that? Because uh, I remember watching that episode going, okay, okay. I'm you know, I'm in the Star Trek. I get this it. This could work. Um, this could work. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It wasn't um yeah, it wasn't Badger. It was his other uh kind of shady friend, but it was shady, but he's likable, you know, both of his uh anyway. So they had to the, the, stinking badgers anyway, so yeah, that's right. Um I I thought Mariner was tracking around a lot of pie juice. Endless amounts. She had it on her. <laughs> She had it on her feet. She had footprints and she gets all the way down yeah. to the lower decks and she's still trailing it with her feet. And there's a pool of it where she's standing. Yeah. It was like she had it in her pockets or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Marty, you know, was like throwing stuff at her. Yeah. You you're right. going down. I don't know. Yeah. Rutherford's always got those good lines. He says, uh, he said, he said, I've been training my GI track for this for weeks. <laughs> Nintendo has been figured out how to dislocate her lower jaw to get his yeah. pies in there. And That's it just, right. it's not happening, you know, and, and Bourne was very disappointed because he says that this is the most, what is it? The, uh, the biggest activity on the ship aside from Pon Far, you know? It's like, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, of course, um, when Mariner gets kicked off of, uh, of the ship, of course, she is sent to where? Starbase 80. Yep, the worst Starbase around, right? We've been, they, we've been promised Starbase 80 for a long time. Yeah, and it, it actually kind of uh, proved itself a little bit. I mean, that shuttle was filthy. Well, the shuttle was filthy. Their clothes were filthy. They wrapped their sandwich in the jumpsuit or uniform that they gave Mariner, and they still had TNG-era badges. They, yeah, they did. They didn't right. even have current badges. That's right. And their shuttle was one of those tiny shuttles. I think how many times it was, was like it? a. It was the like, one we saw in the one with the, the second Picard. It was the El Baz. Yeah, it was like one of the original shuttles that the Enterprise had. Yeah, a little cardboard looking, not much bigger than a cardboard box. Actually, That's, it looked about it looked about like Buzz Lightyear's box when he exact, showed up. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I like the fact that when, so this is the point at which we start to jump around folks. Right. right. Um, I, I like the part where um, Freeman contacts Starbase 80. Yeah. And in order to check on Mariner, the guy pulls out a Rolodex file. I wrote that down too. <laughs> yeah, he's pulling the cards out. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. That was hilarious. For those of you born, uh, you know, after 1990, I don't know, <laughs> it was a Rolodex. Yeah, bunch of bunch of little index cards and a little round thing you would spin around and look. For, yeah, look. man, those uh, those Breen were tough, weren't they? 
Yeah. So when uh, the Cerritos goes to Bracca, they beam down as there's nobody there. They can't find a single person. They do find uh, uh, Ransom finds one person who's hiding and says, you gotta, you gotta leave. You gotta leave. Oh, I'm Starfleet. I can help. And she gets disintegrated yeah. by the Breen and they have to book it on out of there back to the ship. And there's three Breen ships that start attacking the Cerritos. And I think what my note there is exactly how many times is the Cerritos going to be sliced up to pieces I know. I, I was going to, well, I wrote down that California class can take a beating. Well, it they takes re- a beating and then it goes off and gets rebuilt again immediately yeah. afterwards. Yeah. But I mean, but they're on it still. They didn't abandon it and it was still in, you know, in good Pete. Uh, well, as we'll, we'll go into the next episode too. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't understand. Shaq's made a point of, of calling out why, aren't they attacking and then they they go to board the ship but trying to break into the ship by burrowing through the glass well the whatever the, the, the transparent window. aluminum whatever it is the window yeah of the of the ship and i don't remember if it's stated in deep space nine because shack says the breen don't take prisoners i mean who yeah. who, who other than you know the Federation takes prisoners, apparently. You know, the, the, no yeah. one else seems to take prisoners. Yeah, Klingons don't like doing it. It's just too much too much of a hassle. Yeah. Uh, but, so I don't know if that's why they weren't attacking, whether they wanted to take the ship intact or something, because he specifically calls that out, and it's not happening. And that's one of the red flags that was being thrown at us, that something wasn't right here. Okay. Um, so that gets played off of the next episode but i don't know about you but i was already feeling like this this is not going down right something's weird here uh, and, then, and then we have the alito show up out of yeah. no place yeah 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 and take out the breen ships and save the cerritos and it's an unmanned drone that buen amigo says okay well now it's declassified and i'm happy to talk to fnn all about it <laughs> and i just there was I just, I didn't, it was all too coincidental at that point, what right. was going on there, especially, you know, it was, it was really pushed over the top. It did, it did seem, Alito shows up, you know. Yeah, it did seem co- coincidental right at the end. And then as soon as it shows up, the Breen stop attacking, you know, and they start, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, that was a little weird. Uh, by the way, on the glass, I, I, I couldn't help but see a little face where they were trying oh. to. <laughs> because <laughs> a little smiley face going yeah it looked like there. a little smiley face almost um but yeah then the uh, alita actually took him to town so i didn't really think much of it too much but i did think well that was kind of convenient i don't you know. i just i think it was a little bit suspicion when you know, Buen Amigo says, well, why don't you go to the other planet and see what's going on over there? And that's yeah. where there's, all of a sudden there's a trap there. And then he shows up to save the day and then goes, oh, look, there happens to be a reporter here. Let me tell you all about my ship. Yeah. I, go, I don't, I just don't know. I just don't hmm. know. And it turns, well, we'll talk about that. Maybe, maybe I'm just too naive. I just was buying it. <laughs> <laughs> but we get the, we get the, the expose yep. on the Cerritos by 
uh, Nunze. And it turns out, even though everyone thought that Mariner was the one in that, you know, behind closed doors interview, had told all these stories about what oh, happened to, right. you know, Kayshawn and, you know, what happened with Ransom's giant head trying to eat the ship and all this kind of stuff. Yep. None of it was her. She had nothing but nice things to say yeah. about the ship and the crew. It was the crew. And I noticed if you go back and watch specifically all the people that gave the false information are the ones that are like saying nasty things to her. She's going through the, the hall, you know, Shax is saying, Oh, you know, betrayer. And, and, and then, yeah. So it, it's interesting. No, well, actually you're the one. <laughs> Yeah. Was telling all these stories. Yeah. But it's too late at that point because Freeman has sent Mariner off to Starbase 80. And Mariner decides that, uh, well, I'm just going to leave and go off with Petra Aberdeen then and, and yeah. become an archaeologist. Well, uh, and we thought that was going to happen because we that was kind of foreshadowed uh, a few episodes ago. Right. Because we had the whole issue about um, saving the contact information going to come back at at some point but yeah uh, i noticed we knew we were going to be this quickly but since we only had 10 episodes how long could it be until that happens that's right uh yeah so that was kind of a a downer going going on in the episode um it's this this but i don't know overall on the episode i felt like this episode was more set up and Things didn't quite make, yeah. s- make sense. It did, everything seemed to be hyper in the wrong way. It's like Freeman went way over the top about this reporter showing up on the ship. Yeah, she she was losing it. I, I did get the feeling that the whole story, uh, the the actual story of this episode was, uh, was a setup for something else because it didn't feel like a complete. And I knew that this was episode nine going into 10, so figured they were going to kind of roll into it. Um, but yeah, you're right. She, she freaked out a little bit too much. So, you know, this is going to set up something and I figured Mariners off the ship, then they're going to have to figure out how to get her back. Right. Would be the cliffhanger. That's what I thought it was going to be at the whole season. Mm-hmm. You know, the crew was going to get her back, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Right. So I, to me, having that feeling and then, as I said, thinking about the thoughts I was having that this was kind of a setup mm-hmm. by Buen Amigo, to me, down this episode a bit, and I think it also hurt the next episode because you have a reveal that I felt like telegraphed itself in the previous episode. So I, okay. I felt like it hurt the next episode as well. It's not like, oh my goodness, what a, that's a that's a shocking revelation. It's like, yeah, well, it really wasn't. Cause you kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause we, he kind of told you, yeah. He says this class, the classified, you know, he kind of told you what happened. All right. So you want to, you want to go ahead and rate this one? Yeah. So I figure we'll scale it on a, a rate of blueberry pies. All right. Blueberry so pies. Mm. I will start with you, Craig. Well, you know, we had raspberry last time. Uh, <laughs> Can't always vote on them yourself. Yes, right. Uh, I would say um, there were, I liked some stuff in here, but uh, it was a, a little weak. Like I said, I didn't feel like a complete story. 
so I'm going to probably give this, uh, I'm going to say seven and a half. Okay. And for pretty much the same reasons, I'm going to give it a seven. I, I felt okay. like the characters weren't acting right. And Freeman's reaction of throwing up her hands and saying, I'm reassigning you to Starbase 80 seemed like, okay, all this is just feeling wrong. Uh, somebody described a lot of what was going on in this episode as feeling like season one relationships. Mm. And I feel like in a lot of ways it was because yeah. why, you know, uh, Freeman had assigned Ransom to be in charge of Mariner, but Ransom apparently has got absolutely zero accountability to Freeman over it. And Freeman doesn't even consult with Ransom about what yeah. to do. His whole, his whole line was, we saw you go in her quarters or in the room uh, with the reporter. It's like, that was it. That's all he said. So yeah, she, he didn't get any consultation or anything from the captain or any word or anything. So yeah. But we did find out that Kamolu and Matt, the, the two beluga whales just basically party when they're not doing any kind of <laughs> mapping. So that's... it's a party all the time. <laughs> Good to know. That's right. Good to know. All right. This leads directly into the next episode. Uh, the next episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, it's called The Stars at Night. This is episode three. I'm sorry, season three, episode 10. Yes, it's the season finale written by Mike McMahon and uh, McMahon and directed by Jason Zurich. Okay. And our mission briefing on this one, the Cerritos docks at Douglas Station for repairs after its encounter with the Breen at Braca. Well, let's say that three times fast. Yeah. Aboard ship, Shax sees Boimler doing an impression of him and is extremely upset. Boimler <laughs> is desperate to make things right, but the lieutenant refuses to listen. Meanwhile, Captain Freeman is called before a Starfleet inquiry board. The high command is not happy that Starfleet was represented as incompetent in Nunze's report on Project Swingby. Admiral Buenamigo proposes replacing the entire California class with his unmanned Texas-class ships, placing the AI-driven ships in charge of second contact missions. The Council agrees, but Freeman challenges Buenamigo to a mission race. It will be a <laughs> multi-contact mission that is timed and judged. Yep. One person, however, who is enamored with the Texas-class ships is Ensign Rutherford. He has the operating code on his pad and can't stop studying it. And Mariner is off having Indiana Jones-style adventures with Petra Aberdeen, although she begins to wonder who's funding all these costly expeditions. Once the race begins, the Cerritos barely hangs on to its lead, but at the second stop on planet LT-358, Ensign Tendi tells Commander Ransom they must immediately stop their outpost construction. Captain Freeman sees the Alito warp off for the last planet in the race. Yes. So a lot happening in this episode because it's the season finale, trying to bring everything together. Mm -hmm. um, we, again, I feel like it wasn't a surprise when all of a sudden Buen Amigo says, we should just get rid of the California class and turn things over to, you know, the Texas yeah. class. Yeah, that was... I thought that they made that decision a little too, a little too quick. You'd think they'd at least adjourn and go discuss it. Well, plus the fact that how 
does an AI driven ship, which apparently is mostly guns and shields. <laughs> yeah, a little CPU sitting in there. <laughs> you know, handle a second contact mission where you've got to interact with the yeah. population. I don't it it you'll never you would never see anything show up on the planet surface. Right. Unless, unless they come up with some robot to or just beam it down, you know, but yeah, you'd have to, yeah, the, the ship would, the people, the people that show up would have to go come communicate with the indigenous people and say, okay, we're going to drop this stuff off. Where can we put it and make some plans? You're not going to do that with a robot or at least that one. I don't know. Just it, it, yeah, I agree that they, they agreed too quickly to this, but fortunately, you know, Freeman comes up with a on the spot plan of the mission race, or is yeah. it's it's sometimes it's called the mission race and sometimes it's called the second contact race, which yeah. I think mission race is more appropriate because the second stop that they make on LT358, it's not to make second contact. They're there to set up a, a, a post, an observation oh, post. That's right. So it's only by accident that they even find out that there's a possibly sentient, you know, a life form on the surface of right. the planet. Yeah. And it, as it is, it turns out that that, that isn't the case. And I, I thought it was uh, good that um, uh, Tiana says, ah, you know, it's not your fault. The, you know, this, the, this kind of stuff all screws up all the, the tricorders. You know? Well, it was the right call to stop and investigate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, I, so. and, and you get that feeling from everybody because she says, you know, Commander Ransom, we have to stop. You know, why? Why? What's his possible life form? Okay, everybody, you know. Yeah. And Stop where you are. And tells, tells Freeman. And Freeman goes, what? Uh, okay. You know, uh, you got to do that. But uh, you know, make it as quick as you can. Yes, right. And, well, I knew as soon as they stopped for that, I thought, okay, that's going to be the sticking point because the AI is not going to, may not get that at least not now. And of course they could program it later, but that was the point. What else is it going to um, encounter that it doesn't know how to handle? Right. Because it just kind of, it drops, you know, you see the first part drop and the second part, you just kind of see in the background. Yeah. Um, it drops an entire huge listening post or, you know, observation post. And this, this t- it's like, so if that form was underneath all of that, you've just crushed it. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it doesn't, it, 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 it proved the point that I think back of all our minds, it's like, how, how would that even work for this thing yeah. to just be doing that stuff by itself? Yeah. Uh, let's back up for one second. Um, didn't you think that Shaq's were, were asleep, his feelings on a sleeve a little bit too much? He, but he tends to. <laughs> I mean, this whole yeah. baby bear thing. You know? <laughs> I mean, okay, we get it this episode, but we got it with Rutherford as well, you know. And, yeah. and he's had that kind of thing before, you know, like when Billups had to, you know, slapped him in the face as, oh, go ahead, let it all out. And there's a little yeah. face. So I, I don't, he, he, he tends to tear really up and left. People. I mean, yeah. He, is that what I sound like? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna help him fix my phaser, but geez. yeah, <laughs> yeah, he threw it in the right what left. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh um uh I was gonna say um he he came back. Oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Anyway, so uh yeah, I thought I just thought that was funny, his whole reaction. 
um, was a little bit uh, over the top. I was, however, impressed with the design of Freeman's possible new uniform for yeah. epaulets. Yeah, for epaulets. <laughs> they breaking the bank with those things. There was one on the sleeve and then one like on the shoulder halfway down that went yeah, all the way across. Like, How that works, I don't know, but yes, right. They would figure something out at that point. Hey, I, I couldn't help but I, I looked and it's not exactly the same, but um when I when they showed Starfleet Academy, mm-hmm. I thought it looked like the Hilton in Vegas. <laughs> uh no, they've they've used that shot of um of Starfleet before, and I forget yeah. Was it on Deep Space Nine when they showed that building? I can't remember, but I, I believe we've seen that. It looked very familiar, like we'd seen that building before yeah. on Trek. Yeah, I think I've seen it because it's got the kind of swooping thing, almost like a the Atari mm-hmm. kind of uh, logo. But I, I went, wait a minute, I'm gonna go make sure. And I pulled up uh, the Hilton Vegas. And I went, okay, it's kind of a try. Yeah, yeah, it's three kind of building. Three, yeah, but it yeah. does have those lines and i went okay well maybe that's what i was thinking of so it was close but not quite the same what i noticed is that apparently in all the time that has passed since the undiscovered country they haven't replaced the desk lamps in that room because <laughs> they are the same desk lamps when you have that mission briefing at the beginning of the undiscovered country when you're like yeah kirk is told he's going to be you know leading this mission yeah same lamps I wonder if it's the well, same bulbs. Maybe. If it ain't broke. I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. It, it emits light. Um, at, by that time, they already had LED lights, so I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. They, yeah. they dim a little bit or something. Yeah. And when they were when they were running around trying to uh, uh, get the ship ready for Got the- class engineering. For, yeah. I liked how uh, Billups was like, I want this place looking like, uh, I, want, I want data uh, level- uh, accuracy and he said those those isolator chips better be be a blur <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i thought that was hilarious uh, uh, the standard by which they're all judged yeah uh, i got a kick out of the fact oh. that that the interface screen for the texas class ai is m5 oh yeah that's exactly what i wrote down here too yeah, had that little uh, control panel with the little blinky lights. Lights that go, one goes up and down, the other one's flashing sideways. And you know, actually I pulled up um, a picture of it just to make sure I was right. And went, it is M5. And then, uh, but there was, I found somebody on Etsy had made one. Cool. And it, it, almost like a, it almost is just like a tablet and you could touch the side of it and then the lights would change and do some different things, but they look just like, anyway, side note. Oh, speaking of which, I didn't put it in the show notes, but I will put a link into it. Um, (laughs) Try to remember to do this as soon as we're done recording. But um, someone on Twitter has done up an HTML5 JavaScript, very elaborate. It's a Cerritos LCARS interface that takes up the entire screen. It's not a screensaver. You can Uh click on things on the interface and you can zoom in it's because it's deck plans of the cerritos and you can click on it and it will zoom in on sections really um, yeah and it's 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 amazing so I'll, i'll make sure to put that into the show notes yeah uh so All people right. can see that maybe think of it when we talked about the the interface right 
Um, I love the the couple that were on the phasing planet. <laughs> I need to, I needed to make sure that that wasn't the same one that we saw in Deep Space Nine, but no, that that planet appears. The one on Lower Decks appears for two hours every year. That planet appears once every sixty years. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a different one. He's like, I wonder if they can see me. Hey, they're in space. <laughs> It's just a dot. Why are you being like this? <laughs> oh, look, our supplies are here. Yay. Hey, thanks. Next time, send a trans, you know, send a replicators. Oh, yeah. right. Why did I bring and you? So then we, we, we find out that uh, Rutherford figures out that his code is in the Texas Alito, uh, Alito, and as well as the other AI ships. And, you know, then they, he figures out they've got a, they got an emotional badgy problem. Yeah, because, you know, I think as Tendy says, well, it's no good having your, your ship with daddy issues. <laughs> and yeah, you know, invoking the name of Badgie, you know that there's trouble. So right. uh, Rutherford goes running to um, to Freeman, who happens to be uh, on in a conversation with Winamigo, and we he kind of confesses all. At that point, right, he confesses that he should have actually killed Rutherford, you know, when Rutherford was injured. And we get, you know, we've already seen the flashback where it's a younger Buen Amigo who is ordering all this stuff to, to be done to Rutherford. And that uh, it's a very odd motivation that he has that once you reach Admiral, it's hard to break through and be recognized. So he's doing all of this so he can, he can be move recognized. <laughs> yeah. So he can move up in the ranks. It, it, okay. Yeah. He's eh. definitely gone off the deep end by that point. So yeah, that was kind of, I think it was a little bit of weak motivation, to be honest with you. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I was wondering about that because it's a, it's a comedic show. Although we certainly have a lot of, non-comedic aspects to it. And it's like, so what kind of motivation do you give him for this? And I don't know, I don't know if they necessarily gave him the right one, but it was like, I, I couldn't tell a very, very dramatic, tragic one or a silly one or it was a California ship that couldn't save my family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> hey, California is the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what I, well, we weren't in the writer's room, so I don't know what they were pitching, but. Well, those uh, in the writer's room, Mike wrote this himself, so. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. All right. Y'all take the day off. <laughs> That's right. It's all on me, pal. All on yeah. me. Well, you know, Shax did get to dump the warp core and he was all excited. <laughs> oh, he was beyond excited. <laughs> and then I liked when he went down, uh, the turbo lift. And then when he came out, everybody was High cheering him on <laughs> <laughs> he's finally getting Thank his you. day you're too hey. kind you're too kind thank you so much yeah. <laughs> i've dreamed of this for so long yeah and of course the very end boimler is in the bear pack now yep and i hear you hear rutherford oh bears <laughs> are you my bridge buddy now <laughs> yes right that I, I it's just rutherford when he says these things though he says, I'm in the bear. He says, you're my bridge. He goes, oh, bears, you know, <laughs> bears room. for life. That's right. One thing I 
couldn't track down. I don't know if you knew the reference. I, I just, I couldn't. And I feel like I'm missing something really obvious uh-huh. or something we've not been made privy to is the fact that uh, the AI kept repeating, I will burn your heart in a fire. Yeah. I didn't know. I did not uh, get that I looked, reference. I looked I was up the wondering phrase. I couldn't find it. I, I just couldn't come across what was it. I couldn't, you know, it wasn't it was something like bad you said, was it? That's a good, I, even if he did, he would have had to have, um, come, you know, be a reference to something I would think. So I, I, I don't know. Um, my search for it as a, as a string didn't come up with anything. Oh, here you go. Oh, you got it. Okay. Maybe uh, I was it, it wrong. Yeah. Oh, Badgy. Um, oh, this is, <coughs> excuse me, it's from this episode. I was uh, like, oh, <coughs> I was, I, I, excuse me. I, like I said, I'm on a tail end of the cold. Uh, it was at the end of, uh, now let's see. Uh, hold on. I don't fire. Oh, yeah. Badgy said, here's a tip. I'm going to burn your hearts in a fire. Okay. Is that right? Uh, well, I, I can, I can believe Badgy saying that. Perhaps yeah. it's sure. Yeah, it's uh, on a it's on an article. I have to go look a little closer, but it says um the fourth and final swaps Badgie's cheerful smile to one oh he makes a sadistic evil uh smile and then he's with a download bar underneath. He says, Here's a tip. I'm gonna burn your hearts in a fire. So yeah, I guess it was in there before. Which means since this AI never met Badgie that Rutherford's code <laughs> contains hey, that information. Maybe he shouldn't be coding anything. I think, I think that's a good idea that he yeah. not, he not do. Oh, thing. well that was pre Rutherford that we know now. Remember he, uh, cause we did yeah, get, but, we did get that reveal. But Badgie uh, wasn't, hmm? but Badgie wasn't. So no, but I'm just saying twice then maybe I don't it know. was just embedded in the code somehow, but we did get the reveal why he's got the thing, uh, and they wiped his mind and all that stuff. Right. And I don't have a problem with the fact that if I went back and checked those episodes, that the voice in the background doesn't have a, it doesn't have a Buen Amigo's voice, that it's a different voice. Uh I'm pretty sure it is because it's a, it's a hazy memory. He's hearing a voice that he can't see a face saying something. Yeah. So I was I was fine with that. It's like I don't I don't consider that a cheat. Oh, how come it wasn't next? I you know I can I can understand it being, but also if you if if it was that voice, well, as soon as when Amigo showed up, you go, hey, that's the guy that's in the flashback. So right, you don't want that to happen either. Right. But the Cerritos is being uh, chopped up after it lures the uh, the three ships. The uh, mm-hmm. so it's we've got the Alito, the I think it's the Dallas and the Corpus Christi, <laughs> right? Uh, yes, and, and so Rutherford taunts the AI by saying that if they don't stop, then they're a dunsel. So that's a callback, <laughs> you're at that point, yeah. yeah. So it leads them off because it's attacking the van sitters, and the van sitters, so that's named after the VP of Trek Marketing who's on Twitter all the time. And today he was very happily 
showing an image of, hey, look, it's Canon. It's on screen. The yeah. visitors. Oh, really? So they warp on out of there, and that's when they're going to eject the warp core. But that doesn't save them. But mm -hmm. Mariner comes back and, okay, what's one ship going to do? And it turns out that you know, there's a there's a problem I have here in a second. But so she comes back and she comes back with every single California class ship. And I got the names Oakland, Alhambra, San Diego, San Clemente, Sherman Oaks, Burbank, Fresno, Santa Monica, San Jose, Sacramento, Anaheim, Riverside, Vallejo, Eureka, Mount Shasta, Carlsbad, Inglewood. And I know there were a couple of others besides that that I, that yeah. I missed. <laughs> you wrote a uh, – tell me you went and found that on Memory Alpha. No, I, I was listening to the episode going, okay, let me – Oh, next God. one, next one, next one. I was like, they're naming every city in California. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. And it's it's uh, spread out. Didn't know, they, they didn't seem See, to – oddly enough, they didn't have a San Francisco mentioned as far as I could tell, which is weird because that's where Starfleet is. But. Well, right. Uh, they did say San Francisco. Did they? Because I got I – I heard San, San Diego. And Santa Santa Monica and San Jose and maybe and did they San Diego? Oh well, oh uh, maybe San Francisco is a different. I don't know. Anyway, so um, at at the end, you, you see all the California ships, right? There's a bunch of them, like you said, about twenty or so. And then not only that, um, we talked about how tough the California or the Cerritos is, mm -hmm. uh, or at least tough enough where they're still able to be on it and get it repaired pretty easy. Why would they just all of a sudden decide to scrap them? That's, that's a lot of ships. Yeah. I mean, it's all based on the teeny tiny premise that Starfleet didn't like getting embarrassed. Cause that's what I took away from that meeting is that they were calling in Freeman because of this report by Victoria Nunze, uh, that showed the Cerritos, therefore the California class, therefore Starfleet in this bad light. I think that's a pretty flimsy thing to hang yeah. your hat on is for why you get rid of an entire class of, of manned ships. Yeah. But oh. my problem with this is uh -huh. that unless this meant every California class ship was really close by, <laughs> Wouldn't you want to also contact and get as many other class ships as possible into this fight? Well, it was again, they were trying to prove because they, they were on the mothball list. That's why, you know, they were getting their Right. But you're betting brethren. your pride and your, your class of ship against the destruction of, you know, Starbase Douglas at, at the very least. Because mm -hmm. after it was done with the Cerritos, I'm sure it was just going to go warp back. And yeah. finished off that job. Yeah, where yeah, weren't there other yeah, wait a minute, weren't there other ships in the in the, the only other ship that the only ship that, that well we saw a couple going around um the Starbase at the beginning of the episode, but at the end of the episode, it's only the Vent Sitters that warps in and is involved in the battle. It's just the Cerritos and the mm -hmm. Vent Sitters. So they got back there, but they were getting trounced. So if the California class ships couldn't take care of the job, then that was, that was it for, for the Douglas, you know, station. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I felt like, okay, it's bravado and, you know, Cali class, Cali class, 
But yeah, at the same time, you know, maybe if they, sh- maybe if the other class ships showed up just after, you know, the Alito was destroyed because they had yeah. just gotten there. Okay. Oh, we're here to help. Oh, you're already oh, got- look, <laughs> look what they did all by themselves. That's Aren't right. they cute? That's right. Hi, this is Craig. I'm actually beaming in to let you know there's a new ranking system in Starfleet. Just below Ensign, there is now Buffoon. And Clinton and I are both assigned as Starfleet Buffoon. So uh, the reason is because in episode 10 of Lower Decks, season three, there is a cliffhanger. It's at the very tail end of the credits. You got to watch the last couple minutes of the entire episode where there is a clip of Badgie showing back up. Thanks to listener Diane who pointed that out right at the end of our recording. And I wanted to drop in and let you know. Now, back to your regularly scheduled program. All right. Let's rate this one. What are we rate, rating this at? Uh, well, I I made the call the last time. What do you what do you say we rate it on this time around? Um, I say we rate, rate it on um, M5s. I don't know. M- <laughs> it's very confusing with numbers. I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, whatever. Let's just okay. go with that. Yeah. All right, we'll we'll go with M fives. Uh, we'll go the reverse direction, which is easy to remember because then it's just me. Um, That's right. I am going to give this one. I'm going to give this one an eight. Probably the lowest season finale rating I've given to Lower Decks, and I think again, I think a lot of it is based on the fact that. I feel like so much of this was telegraphed in the previous episode. Yeah. That, now it, I'm not saying you have to be surprised by everything all the time. Right. But I felt like so much of it was meant to be that, like you get, you should have gotten a little bit more of the mystery. Like you got some of the mystery, the tiny bit of a flashback that Rutherford was getting when he had, you know, the type, the, um, the battle with red Rutherford. Right. And this just felt like we're just going to dump it mm-hmm. on you and then lead right into this episode where you, you already know this, this is the setup. Of yeah. it. And, you know, a couple of other needling things like just the Cali class ships showing up again. I understand the symbolism of it. I just had a problem with the life and death situation. Yeah. Symbolism is a good word to use. That's what I was looking for. Right. Of, of not doing that. I yeah. really liked the music in this episode. This music was extremely wrath of Khan. Yeah. I mean, there yeah, were, you can there hear were... that uh, a few times, especially when they showed the AI ship close, you could hear it. Uh, I was like, okay, here we go. You know, yeah. Stuff <laughs> going on. Going, okay. That's right. Uh, and I, I, I loved Shaq's getting to eject, eject the warp core. Yeah. This, this whole like look on his face and everyone cheering him all the way down. Do you mean it? <laughs> Really? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> and I also noticed, I one other note I want to put in there. I also noticed that when Mariner comes back on the ship, mm-hmm. at the end, of the end of the episode, she walks right past Jennifer and over to the other lower deckers. Oh. Hmm. So you see this, Jennifer and another person are sitting at a table and you see Mariner just come from behind and walk right past and Jennifer just kind of gives a look as Mary just keeps going. Hmm. So I don't think there's much left of that relationship at this point. Maybe not. 
Yeah, we'll see. All right. So uh, I'm giving it an eight. What about you, sir? Uh, I'm a. I'm also going to give it an eight. I think, like I said, the story thread was a little bit thin, uh, and some a lot of the stuff, like you said, was already paid off or not paid off, but uh, given to us ahead of time. So, but I did like. There was a lot I liked in the show. You know, a lot of Easter eggs, like we mentioned. Shacks, of course. Um, yeah, there's a lot of liking here. Starship battle action. <laughs> so, I uh, so I I kind of want to go eight and a half, but I'm gonna say eight. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with eight. I was also thinking about the sort of callback to Star Trek Into Darkness, where you have the briefing scene when they all look out the window. And yeah. Khan is in that little ship and fires through the window and yeah, and wipes out the command staff. And then you have, so you have the Alito facing the window where Buen Amigo is and then just pulverizing it with laser fire. It, you know, pretty much killing yeah. Buen Amigo at that point. All right. Lastly, or did they? Or did they? Well, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose that could be a cliffhanger. Oh, um, oh, oh. By the way, one thing I thought was funny. I know we got to move on. Was when they showed the inside of the AI ship, like a little screen. There's alarms and stuff going off. I'm like, who's going to hear it? <laughs> yeah. I, <think> so. <laughs> I also will point out no perceivable cliffhanger. Yeah. Right? Well, so see, I thought I thought Mariner being off ship was going to end up being the cliffhanger, you know, but yeah. So we had between one and two and two and three, but nothing to lead into season yeah. four. Interesting. That's all right. All right. And our last episode, which is much less complex, fortunately, uh, tell us a bit about it, Craig. All right. So this is Star Trek prodigy. The title is asylum. This is episode one. Uh, I'm sorry. Season one, episode 11. And it's the mid season return. Finally, seems like we hadn't seen it in forever. It was written by Kevin and Dan Hagman, uh, written by Steve and Stephen Chang and and Sung Shin. Yes, directed by them. Directed, uh, yes. All right, so let me give you a quick mission briefing on this one. It has been a week since Dahl, Gwen, Rock Talk, Pog, Murph, and Zero left Tars Lamore. I know it seems like it's been a lot was, longer than that. <laughs> that's the longest week I've ever seen. Specifically, Dahl says it's been a week. Yeah. Uh, on their way to make contact with Starfleet, the crew has been attempting to perform good deeds, hoping the actions will help Starfleet overlook the theft of the protostar. Their latest efforts was to rescue an aquathon, a whale-like creature vital to the survival of a planet, but one that was being hunted to extinction. Gwen is having this right. This is the episode with the whales. Gwen is having flashbacks of her lost memories, but can't understand why her father would say it is a weapon. Zero promises to not rest until Gwen's memory is restored. The protostar arrives at Federation communications relay station CR-721, which I didn't realize they were that close. And the team is greeted by Lieutenant Junior Grade, Barnes Frex. The crew confesses that they are not Starfleet and they are seeking asylum. And they want to join Starfleet! Imagine that. Eager to help, Frex uses the station's biometric scanners to enter each refugee into the database. Gwyn's species is not in the database, and this makes sense since Starfleet has not yet made their first contact. And, and I notice he put her in as 
unidentified or unknown so that there is yeah no thing there and dahl scan simply states dahl should report to starfleet command meanwhile on the uss dauntless admiral janeway is watching a holographic recording of the christening of the protostar which captain chakotay took into the delta quadrant she's interrupted by commander tysis who says that the protostar's warp signature has been tracked to a planetoid in the carina nebula yeah all right, so, so, so Chakotay's back in the neighborhood. Well, as old, as old in a flashback, Graham. he is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but uh, you know, I when we saw the trailers for the second half of season one, this was the first thought I had when we see a shot looking up from the surface of Tars Lamora into the red sky. And you see the Dauntless going right. by. I'm thinking they're going to go to that planet. The Diviner is going to be there. They have no idea that the Diviner is out to get them. And right. They're going to take him into their confidence. Yeah. And that's pretty much the way this is going to play out. Yep. But I didn't understand why the Diviner was in that stasis field because when we saw him, in the previous episode, he was just, you know, I think he was drawing stuff on the ground. Or he, he was not. He lost he, his mind. He, yeah, he, he wasn't. He wasn't uh, in a state of suspended animation or anything. Right. Yeah. He he had lost his mind. He uh, and he was, or I mean, not lost it, but he was, yeah, in that weird state where he was in. A, he wasn't right. And and I and I have to think that he should be in a very very weird state because it was quite a long time that he was staring at the Medusan. Yes. I mean, we saw what happens to Gwyn when she just gets a reflection for a split second in mm -hmm. the badge. So he, I almost feel like he should not even be coherent. Yeah. He shouldn't remember anything. She, she barely remember, or she didn't remember anything. And she needed help getting her memories back. And now, uh, yeah, him, I'm curious what he'll be like. I'm not sure. So maybe he yeah. doesn't have his memories back and they like with Gwen, they're going to slowly come back and he's going to realize that he's got to do this thing and we'll try to figure out some way to do it. Maybe they, maybe they, maybe they put a, need to put a diaper on him and raise him again. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's just, Here's the library computer, and you can just watch all the tapes. That's right. Uh, so while that's going on, we have the beginning of the Diviner's plan playing out at the uh, the relay station. Mm -hmm. Because poor, poor Frex, who never gets any respect for saying, the final frontier, right. tries to hook up to the Protostar to download information and and see what's up and make sure that everything is, you know, making sense. And this is all checking out and that activates this thing on the protostar. We can't, I mean, we see a red light, but I, Oh, wait a minute before you get too far away. Yeah. Yep. The guy Frex. Yes. I know he didn't sound like him, but did he not look like Clint Howard? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, surprised you didn't I, pick that up. 
I can't say no to that. I can't say no to that. I went, oh, he's going to open his mouth and sound like Clint Howard. And here's some Tranya. No, but, yeah. um... <laughs> That'd be funny. Uh, oh, the intro to the whole show is beautiful. I yeah, thought. and I, I noticed that they have tweaked. I, I, I need to go back and I had a note and I didn't do it in time. But they've tweaked a couple of things and I believe they took Dreadnought out of the opening credits that there's like one or two shots that weren't there before. Oh, you and know what? I we worked it. I skipped the intro because I was ready to get into the show. Oh, oh right. so you're talking about the intro where they're saving the way and they're, they're underwater. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, I, I, I just wanted to state, you know, we don't see a lot of underwater stuff on star Trek. We did see it, uh, in, um, star in Trek the darkness Yeah, in the darkness. Yes. Thank you. I was trying to remember which one. In the darkness. Uh, but we haven't seen a lot of underwater stuff. And except for my old gold key comics where they were underwater in that a few times. Uh, but anyway, I just thought it was interesting and it was a beautiful uh shot underwater and of course beaming a whale up. I mean, that's yeah. a that's a trope now. I mean, <laughs> how can you not? How can you not? <laughs> oh, here's an I'm gonna here's an opportunity. I'm gonna beam this whale up. Yeah, not only not only is it a whale, it's a whale that is vital to the survival of the planet, but the species on there is hunting them to extinction. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Kind of <laughs> really ripped that right out of Star Trek 4, didn't you? You know what? Nobody's looking. We'll just take, <laughs> pull the pages out. <laughs> Ripping a page out there. Yeah. But I didn't, I have a note here that really couldn't still tell what the diviner's plan was with what's going on with the protostar because if the protostar made contact with some ship or someplace in a more crowded area of, of space they would just destroy the ship why it didn't seem to be doing anything on the surface of it other than destroying the relay station which okay great you destroyed the relay station but yeah. so what now maybe it's the fact that one of starfleet ships is doing this makes other people suspicious about starfleet and maybe that's what the plan is i just don't well, know i don't know i kind of assumed that it was um to keep them from communicating back to starfleet because he wants to keep that ship I think he stole that ship or he somehow he got control of that ship away from Chakotay and everybody. And he's trying to keep it. He says it's mine. I don't know that that's the, I don't know. Sure. We, well, we don't know about that whole part of the story. Mm. Why he wants to keep it, why it's his, why he considers it his. So I think he, uh, that the program was wiping out the relay station to keep them from communicating back to Starfleet. Hmm. Perhaps, perhaps so, because um, that's that's exactly what Frex was going to do. By the way, you know, here's here's Frex being all very Starfleet about, you know, Starfleet is welcoming everybody and all it's, you know, bring them board and please take advantage of the station. As soon as things go south, he leaves in an escape pod all by himself. Just, <laughs> yeah. I'm out. I'm Sucks out. to you. Yeah, that was kind of messed up. It's like, wow, man, really? He is Clint Howard. You should be like last <laughs> off, dude. Yeah. That's the way Clint Howard would have been. That's right. No. Uh, 
yeah, that was a little weird. But I was like, okay, well, we got to, well, we got to leave them in some kind of peril. You know, they got to work through, which they did. They did. They did. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks to Rock Talk, who's, I, I did, however, say, oh, please don't do the trope. Don't do the trope. Ah, they did the trope. The, the beautiful mind. Yeah. The math <laughs> equations floating around and going, oh, <laughs> why? Why did you do that? You yeah. know, if they had, if you had seen from her perspective, the protostar, you know, making its orbit and yeah. her looking, I, I think eventually you do see this shot, but I think it's after all that has gone by, you know, trying to calculate just, you know, mumbling, you know, trying to say, okay, well, the, if the, the acceleration, blah, 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 you know, okay. But, ah, it was the trope. It was the trope. Oh, That's well. all right. Yeah. Must have worked. I mean, you got to, it's not, well, she was complaining about not thinking about it. Then she was trying to work it out. So I, I thought it was fun. And then she second guessed herself at the last moment. Yeah. It's like, well, well we got to go. Gotta old, so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't really think about this anymore. Yeah. And she did miscalculate and she knew why, but the tractor beam, Janeway activates the tractor beam and brings him back. Well, I was like, why didn't they just transport him? Well, she said the transporters were down. She couldn't. Of course. Of course. You know, Speaking the, the transporters work great until they don't. And yeah. Then, <laughs> and then drama happens at that point. Yeah. Hey. Ask, ask George Kirk. Yeah. Hey, it's getting hot in here. Does AC work? Uh, <laughs> actually, no. Then. <laughs> All right. Do you have any other thoughts on this episode? Because this was kind of the thing with um, I think Prodigy is. I said this when we we're watching episodes for the first half. It's one episode. There, yeah. there is no previously on. You just kind of pick up where you left off. Yeah. Even to the point where. Dahl says it's been a week since <laughs> yeah. and you just right. go from yeah. that point. Um, so, and they, and they, after talking about two episodes of lower decks, I was saying to my wife, Bonnie, that when I'd start doing the notes for, um, for um, prodigy, it's a much less complex story right. to be dealing with. And understandably so, it's meant for a younger audience. You don't have like five, ten different storylines. Oh going no! How at the same how time. how simplified is it? I mean, we're trying. We can't figure out what his plan is. Well, I mean that the fact that there's his plan, and that you know Gwen is trying to remember it, and he's trying to do it, mm-hmm. and they're trying to find the protostar. Yeah, I think that's about. And you have some subplots like, well, Dal doesn't know who he is, uh, type of thing, but. You know, I think if you if you analyze an episode, it's far less dense, yeah, than other Trek is. Yeah, well, yeah, but I I do find it fun watch, and I I like uh, the. Oh, I didn't mean it's a bad thing. I mean, bad thing that it was not as complex. It's just that it isn't. You know, that's its format. It isn't as complex. It is. It is a a a twenty part story that's just all you know broken up into segments. I will say this, this show is easy to look at. I know I mentioned this almost every time we review the show. This animation is really good on this show. That underwater, that was as good as, well, you know, as good as, but it was like watching uh, Finding Nemo. You know, it was, 
It was really good. And then Nemo was a big whale. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they had the, they had the water people, you know, and they yeah. were doing their thing. I just, I think it's a beautiful show. Um, especially when the phasers were going off and explosions and it looked great. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. All right. Well, I don't have any more thoughts on this. I thought it was, uh, yeah. Oh, so watch, I think also watching back to back episodes where a Starfleet ship has gone rogue and is firing at a Starfleet installation. <laughs> Two right. episodes in a row. If you watch <laughs> oh, that's episode. right. <laughs> so, uh, wow. Write that down as a trope. There you go. There's yep. a trope for you. Yeah. Uh, all right. So now we're going to rate these and who I've got to come up. Okay. I'm going to say uh, on, uh, we're going to, well, consider- uh, in all fairness, the station was shooting itself. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, I'm going to say this is based on aquathons. Because <laughs> I can. Aquathons, is that what you put on when you go on the beach? No, no, that's that's the whale-like creature. Oh, oh, that okay. Um, I'm actually gonna give this one since we're we're kind of picking back up. Uh, I'm gonna give this one eight and a half. I thought it was pretty good and pushed us a little bit forward and um we saw some stuff we hadn't seen before and they're getting a little bit further out from where they were before. Um, now we got Janeway and Chakotay in, uh, in play. So I'm gonna say eight and a half. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. I agree with most of what you said. The only issue I had with it is what I said at the beginning of the, uh, briefing is that I would have expected it to be more than, just as one episode, we escape Tars Lamora. Yeah. And we get to the relay station. I don't think you have to go like 10 episodes before you get to Federation, but it felt like, oh, the Federation. Oh, yeah, there. You go through that door over there and <laughs> yeah. right over there. I'm surprised you yeah. didn't see them on your way in. Um, so that's, I just felt like, especially when you see them doing a mission. If you saw some more of that to see, well, what have they been doing? How oh, have yeah. they been working as a team? How, what right. what hey, is involved with In them? all fairness, they were at the final frontier. <laughs> Still not killing. Still not killing. <laughs> I don't understand why. Yeah. I usually get <laughs>, laughs. Get a big reaction out of that. Yeah. All right. Well, those are our thoughts on these three episodes. If you have a different opinion about it, please be sure to let us know what you liked and didn't like about these us? less. No, not us. <laughs> yeah. They love us. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's why, uh, that's why they're here. Um, the last two episodes of Lower Decks and this uh, beginning of the second half of the first season. So confusing. Of yeah. Prodigy. I hope they don't do this again next year, but they probably will for season two. Uh, yeah. Uh let us know. You can uh, leave a note over on our Facebook page. The topic is Trek over on Facebook. Dang. All right. And we're not going to do a, oh, should I do a? Yeah, why not? There we go. Whoa. Pressing all the buttons. <laughs> Hell will be back in a second if I'm not careful. That's right. All right. But it's time to refill the, that's all, folks. The dilithium chamber and warp on out of here. You can right. find me, Clinton. At Comedy Forecast, all one word with the number four. You can find me on uh, Facebook and Twitter and MeWe and Instagram and that uh, that Aquathon that just swam by over there. Oh, there he goes. And I'm just about to wrap up the musical 
that I've been working on. And then it's on to more episodes of Comedy Forecast after that. So stay awesome. subscribed. That's the longest yeah. podcast a month, uh, podcast a day a month uh, I've seen. It's been a very long spring, yes. <laughs> a long spring. Summer is coming, so there we That's, go. That should be the the title of your next one, A Long Spring. I'm moving to Australia. Summer is, <laughs> summer is coming. That's right. All right. Uh, you can and find Chuck. speaks for you guys. There we yeah, you can find – yeah, I guess I will. <laughs> you can find Chuck sometimes. No, you can find Chuck and myself at uh, the Technorama podcast, and you can just search for Technorama podcast all over the place and uh in google and wherever and you can find us on facebook we try to keep the name the same everywhere so look for technorama podcast and you will find all our stuff youtube facebook uh everywhere excellent excellent all right but it's time to hit the theme me (laughs) if you like the show please be sure to tell a friend about it and subscribe so you never miss an episode we'd love to hear from you follow us on twitter at the topic is trick visit our Facebook page or visit thetopicistrack.com. Until next time, on behalf of Chuck, Greg, and myself, I'm Clinton. Thanking you for listening. And as we always say here on The Topic is Trek, don't, don't put, put on, on the, the red shirt. shirt. And look, we I don't. You're good. Neither do I. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. It is a little red. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a tip. I'm going to burn your hearts in a fire!